Welcome to Tech Talks, where we chat with influential technology founders in the SaaS and Web3 NFT crypto space. I'm your host, Nick Roche, CEO at AdMRR and ComGrow, where we scale technology companies' community and cash flow. All right, so today on the show, we have Juan Bello from Portermetrics. Juan is going to share with you some insights that have supported his journey to 50k MRR and beyond. He and his team are based out of Colombia. So without further ado, let's go ahead and welcome Juan to the show. Perfect. Thank you for the invitation. Uh, I am Juan. I am founder of Porter. Porter is the fastest way to get your marketing dashboards and metrics. And myself, I am a digital marketer and data analyst. So I think I do a perfect fit for this kind of company. Okay, awesome, awesome. So, uh, Juan, I wanted to hear a little bit about yourself. What really interested me was that you're in Colombia at the moment. So, uh, you know, it's it's pretty rare to see this type of growth from uh, South American companies. It's definitely not impossible, but uh, it's it's a little bit more rare to see. So, I'd love to hear a little bit about your background, like how you got into this business, and yeah, just a little bit about your story. Tell us. Okay, I will say that. The way I wanted to play has been different from most, most Colombians. Most Colombians don't think of working outside. And since my first job, I decided to deliberately work remotely with U.S. companies. Okay. And that I think that gave me an idea of, hey, I can build a business, it can be global, mm-hmm. and I can reach customers everywhere on, on Internet. So yeah, I since the beginning, I work with... a. SaaS startup from the U.S. that was in the space of IoT. Then I worked with a U.S. company and also from Iran. I think that were people from both uh, sides. Then I worked with a, a Canadian agency. Then I, I worked with a Silicon Valley startup. So since the beginning, I have always worked in SaaS companies, in marketing agencies, okay. and remotely. Awesome. Okay, cool. Uh, and so... At that point, was it working with all of these companies that you realized that you could make this analytic solution? Is that kind of what prompted you to, to do this, to move into this venture? Uh, not quite. I think that I wanted to build a product that people used. That was my motivation. And okay. The first idea I had with this IoT company is I want to build the Google Analytics for the physical world. So my first idea and product that actually exists today as a business, but I don't operate it. Um, is people counting cameras. We build the algorithm, we build the AI, and we build the hardware, and we started to install these cameras in some of the major retail stores in Latin America. That business was going fine, but due to the pandemic, it was hit. Mm. Totally. So the pandemic closed all the retail stores. And how did I make the switch to this reporting solution? I am a training. I am a trainer in marketing analytics in marketing reporting and marketing automation. Right. And I have given some courses in some of the most important education platforms in Latin America. And I noticed the strong demand of marketing reporting solutions. So that's how I came up with this idea. Okay, awesome. So it sounded like something that you initially needed. And then at what point did you feel like there was enough validation from the market? At what point were you saying, like, a lot of people are experiencing this problem, and I know that this is a solution that will help? Uh, because I recommended the competitor, the market leader. And I noticed some flaws in the market leader. By the okay. way, Supermetrics, the market leader of marketing reporting for these things is a great product, a great business, but 
they are they are way more expensive than most solutions and they are not available for providing a great customer support. And I think for us right. was very easy to provide a good customer support, more content, and also find another other ways to differentiate. Okay. So it was pretty much through looking at other solutions in the market that you realized a gap in the product or the efficiency of using the product. And then you decided to, to come in. Is that right? Yes, we paid the price of that. There is a good thing about that. You actually find automatically product market fit when you see your solutions that already exist and that make already 25 million or 50 million dollars a year in revenue. The problem with that is that you start as a cheap alternative and changing that position is very, very hard. So we are actually moving towards something different because otherwise we will stay as a, an alternative and we don't want to play like that. And we also, during this process, we have found many opportunities to stand out and to actually become a category creator somehow. Okay, cool. So does that mean that a pivot is on the horizon or did like, did I understand that correctly? I think a, a different position, I positioning, I will tell what is the landscape today. Market leaders rely on infrastructures that are built for developers. So we say, we talk about ETLs, about data warehouses. We see the current market leaders that are going to IPOs like Funnel.io, um, like Supermetrics, these companies. These companies are growing because they are selling to enterprise. But mm -hmm. selling to enterprise means selling to tech uh, teams. The, the thing or the space that we have found uh, so far for our company is we see a lot of potential in PLG approach Yes. And then and the no-code market. And I think the no-code trend is essential for businesses to grow in the future. Right. And I don't think most none of the market leaders is currently taking a no-code approach. Right. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So basically what you're saying is that you want to take some of these trends such as no-code, bring it in, and also just have people that love your product also be a driving force of your guys' growth. Is that, is that something that you'd agree with? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Okay, cool. I like it. So, um, maybe just tell us, tell us about like, how has the growth been? Like, when did you guys start up? Uh, how many years have you guys been in business? Okay. This business started exactly when pandemic hit Colombia. Okay. Uh, the next week the pandemic started and we needed to shut down the other business, we started with this idea. Uh, it was in 2020, April or June, or June that okay. we started with, with this thing. Since then, Power Metrics today has already over uh, 1,200 active customers worldwide, okay. more than 6,000, 7,000 monthly active users. Uh, we have more than 100 new customers every month. And the, act the current MRR is over uh, $50,000 already. Okay. Awesome. Uh, and what's the average revenue per user? I didn't like that question because it's super low, but that's okay for PLGs who start, uh, our ARPU is $40 per month. The reason why of that revenue of that ARPU is because we have a plan of $15 per month. That's the starting plan. I think that it affects a lot of the, the average. Okay. And what's the highest tier? How much is the highest tier for you guys? The default plan that we have is $80, but we have custom plans and, and many of our customers have custom plans that are over $200, $300. The, 
the best paying customer is at a thousand dollars per month. Okay. And that would be more for enterprise level businesses, I guess. Those are our SMBs and SMBs is still $10,000 per year. I, I think I, I will say enterprise when we sell a ticket of over 30,000 or $40,000 per, per year. Right. Okay. So still, still uh, not really entering that market too much then. Hey, you're, you're mainly focusing on SMBs at the moment. Yes, because we learned that SMBs in the U.S. are $50 million business. <laughs> so right. we, yeah. we are very likely to keep in the SMB market and still make tickets of more than $10,000, $20,000 per year. Yeah, that's totally fair. Okay, cool. And and what has the, the journey been like? It seems like you guys are following the the product-led growth model. So what, what does that look like? like if somebody wants... If somebody is just starting out today and they want to adopt product-led growth, what would you recommend for them? Okay. First is building technology. If you are a PLG, it's way harder because creating technology that is frictionless, that is self-service, is way harder than creating a custom development. So you mm -hmm. need to know that the price that, you, the price that you will pay is that maybe the development will be harder and slower and you need more skilled a developer than in other kinds of companies. When you go enterprise and you have a sales-led growth, the heroes of your company are the sales team. In our case, the heroes are the support team, developers, and, and marketers. Um, if, if I recommended someone to start with this journey, I think we would follow the same playbook as Supermetrics is following. I think these companies do it, but we didn't copy Supermetrics. What we did was copying more Zapier. So other companies in other verticals that were doing very great. Things that we copied mm -hmm. that we started with. We copied the templates gallery of Canva and we extrapolated that concept of the template gallery to our thing. And today we can say that among all our competitors, we have the best and most complete report templates gallery. And with that template gallery, we drive more than 4,000 new contacts every month organically. Nice. Uh, if I started the first tip I will give to someone is balance long-term and short-term. What is that? Is think of content that you can promote on social media for short-term results and that also can rank on Google for the long-term. Mm -hmm. So the way I started doing marketing is solving use cases through templates and I shared these templates on social media, but these templates were also ranking uh, from Google. And actually we started ranking on Google since the first month. So we started getting traction since in the early, early stages. Okay. Awesome. So that was all organic through SEO and, and Google rankings, right? Exactly. YouTube uh, and Google. Nice. And what kind of, what kind of content or what kind of subjects were people finding you guys from? We are all about use cases related with marketing reporting. So if someone goes to Google and types how to create a social media report on Google Looker Studio, we have a tutorial ranking for that. If you go to Google okay. and you type Google Analytics for report template, chances are we are ranking first in that query. If someone searches for e-commerce report templates, we are in the first page. So we are all about marketing reporting and marketing metrics, and we rank for those keywords with tutorials or product pages or templates pages. Right. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, that, that's definitely something that gets overlooked a lot, but likely, like you mentioned, it brings you about 4,000 leads per month. And that's all just yeah. on autopilot organic. And that doesn't even include other strategies that you guys are using. Yes. Um, and, so, and some people could say that they are low quality, but in our email list, we have Shopify, we have Google, we have many mm -hmm. Fortune 500s that come to the website. Of course, some of them or most of them won't convert because of the type of product we have. 
but at least as for per acquisition, it is a, a great source. Awesome. Cool. And so besides SEO, is there anything else uh, that you guys are doing in terms of bringing in more users onto the platform? Yes, we are doing some social media. I, I don't, I cannot say I am an influencer, but I have some influence in Latin America and Colombia related okay. to marketing analytics. So I, I am constantly invited to podcasts or to events or to, or to courses. And many of our customers come because of the inner circle I have from these events as well. Okay, awesome. So in just basically promoting yourself, getting out, getting the word out about you guys. And uh, it sounds like you have it, you have some of that influence in South America. What about other markets? Like how about, I guess, like North other places in North America, maybe Canada, US, how about like Europe? Um, have you guys entered those markets yet? Uh, interestingly, most of our customers are from the US, but to reach okay. those markets, the way we do it is with SEO and YouTube. Um, okay. I think our YouTube tutorials run well and have thousands and thousands of, of views. And that's the way we get th those customers. So maybe personally, I cannot become an influencer in that market, but SEO right. can actually be international for, for those. Nice. Okay. Awesome. Are you guys doing any paid ads or any other, any other sources to be able to bring more business into the company? We have tested. We test $500,000 per month lately, these two months, but we don't see it as a consistent way to get customers. We are testing some remarketing to promote templates, to promote bookings, or to promote free report setups, but haven't been consistently successful. Something that we are trying that seems promising is promoting through TikTok influencers, marketing TikTok influencers. Okay. And we are testing and we have seen some direct customers that came to us. Uh, and they say, hey, I knew about you because of this influencer on TikTok. In Latin America, of course. Okay, got it. So primarily Latin American market. Um, and so that sounds interesting. Is it like what kind of TikTok users are, or how, how are you finding, how are you sourcing these, these type of creators? Uh, because the marketing team is, <laughs> the marketing team members are very active on TikTok and they follow okay. some of these marketers. So they approach them directly and say, Hey, I like your content. We have this product. Would you like to test? And that's how we have done it. We haven't done it with influencers in the U S or something because we don't follow them. If we follow them, we will be reaching out to them. That makes sense. Okay. And like, how, how much would you pay them per video or how do you guys work out? Like how much you would allocate towards something like that and how much return you could expect? No, actually, I didn't expect any return. I, I for TikTok, okay. I, I I expected a test. I wanted to see how things went. Okay. To me, it was a surprise that some customers in the call say, "Hey, I don't understand anything about this, but I like it because I saw you on TikTok." Maybe there is a channel that I am overlooking, but it's super important for us. I, on LinkedIn, on my personal LinkedIn, I have over seventeen thousand followers. Okay. And when I post something on LinkedIn, it can easily reach more than two two. 2,100 uh, people. Actually, the, the reach I have had during this year is more than a million people. And the content that I promote on LinkedIn are report templates. I think that's a massive way to acquire customers and I'm from very good companies. So I think that TikTok is a smarter approach than, sorry, I, I think that LinkedIn is a smarter approach than TikTok at, at this point. Okay, cool. So 
the TikTok was more of a test, but then, you know, a channel like LinkedIn, you assume like there's tons of professionals that would need a tool like this. And you go more of the approach of using lead magnets or, or downloadable assets that people can, you know, put in their email and you can remarket them. Is that, is that the approach with LinkedIn? Exactly. What I do is I post something on LinkedIn, a template. I don't share the link and I say, please comment if you want to think. And making people comment encourages engagement. And that yes. by its own increases a lot the, the reach of our posts. I, I think the most, the best performing post I have had was a month ago and it was like 300,000 people. And the audience was marketers or agencies and these things. So I, I say, I remember, if I have spent money on LinkedIn ads to reach these people, I would be spending more than $20,000 easily for Definitely, reaching these people. Yeah. And, and I did it. Why I wanted to test TikTok? Because I think the future of content marketing is short form videos, even for mm -hmm. SEO. I think that YouTube Shorts is a huge bet that is important. So I want to do TikTok because I think it is the future, even though today it is not bringing results. But I want to make sure I am ready for that future. Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. So how long ago did you start your short form video content strategy? I think I we have started for three or four months. We okay. have had some early traction, but of course those are, those, there, those are other channels that bring 90% of the things, but I don't want to rely on SEO. I need to diversify. And that's why I am, I don't care that much of the current results, but I want, I want to care about the consistency of just creating every day or every week. I, I want to build a system uh, before thinking of results. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think similar to SEO, it's one of those things where you need to invest some time into it. It's difficult to see an immediate return. You're not going to post a video one day and say, oh, wow, look, I've got 10,000 new users. I mean, it's possible, but it's highly unlikely. So uh, it's good that you kind of have the long-term approach with that, because I think that will definitely pay dividends in the future down the line as you continue and more people learn about your product. And like you said, since you have a product-led growth approach, if people come on and they just love using it, then they're very unlikely to churn. Uh, yes, I, there is something about this. I, I read this book called Atomic Habits. And mm -hmm. One of the chapters says, focus just on the process and the result will take care of itself. And I have always acted like this. That being said that, or saying this, for instance, I don't care about attribution. I don't mind about that. I just care about creating content that I know people will find valuable. Even though I cannot measure it, I want to make sure that I am, one, I am the one who brings the most value to the table. And I think that that game has played off, has played, uh, played very well. For instance, on LinkedIn, I have been successful because I don't think of the metrics. I think of just posting every day. And yes. that's why I have very good results on, on LinkedIn. And it is very hard for anyone to replicate those results. For SEO, I don't think of the results. I think of how can I publish more often? How can I publish 40 times per month? And that I think that approach makes sense to me. Uh, and I can build that defensible thing because it is hard to copy. Very well said. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree with that approach. And I think that is a very good lens to have. So good on you for, for thinking that way and just being consistent with it. Right. I do think a lot of the times that sometimes people will expect to 
just post videos for like a week and then they'll give up or they'll say, you know what, this is a lot of effort and I'm not seeing any immediate return. So they'll just kind of quit on it very easily. Whereas you're just doing it for the habit, not for the, for the result. And you've seen the results anyways. So that's, that's wonderful. Speaking of churn, what, what's your guys' churn like? In revenue, retention rate is around 97%. In, so we are still below the positive net revenue retention. Per customers, I think it is around 95, 96%. Okay. So that would mean like a 4 or 5% churn rate, right? That's what... Exactly. Yeah. Mon okay. Monthly. Nice. Okay. Well, that's actually, considering that the average is around 11%, that's actually very healthy then. So it does seem that the, yeah, sorry, you're going to say something? No, no, I continue and I will analyze that. that. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, because I, I was, I was going to say, uh, it seems like the product-led growth model has worked out well for you guys, seeing as the churn, it, it essentially corroborates the fact that your product is good and people like to use the product and therefore they're not churning as much as the industry average. Yes, I will say that our churn is not bad for our market segment because for PLGs, easily you can go above 10% churn. Mm -hmm. and we are we're in the range, but still this kind of market is very likely to churn and it is very demanding in terms of support. Right. Um, on the other hand, no, I think that there are many things that we can still do to optimize our churn in terms of product. Because as I said, building product for this market is way harder than for others. So mm -hmm. not bad, but there is a lot of room for improvement for us. Because if you think of this, if you if your churn is 5%, it means that in 10 months, you're losing a half of that cohort of customers. So it is not good at all. Right. Okay, cool. So... In terms of churn, like, do you feel satisfied with where you guys are at? Do you feel like there's room for improvement? What do you think about your stats, I guess? My, I can say that our priority today is churn because everything related with churn is long-term. We're working a lot on product and retention and content that serves our customers because I think we already have a good machine of acquisition, but... As we grow, if you think of 5% churn, when you have more than a thousand customers, it means that more than 50 customers are leaving you every month. And that's to me is a lot. So I think that right. the easiest way to grow is simply avoiding that churn. Being saying this, no, I am not satisfied with our current retention rate. And that's why it's our priority. What would be the ideal retention rate for you guys? I think that's above 98% in customer retention, but more okay. than that, I want people to leave me because they don't want to use the product uh, as, as often, not because it is not working well or because it is not solving the things that we are that we are supposed to solve. If the cause of the churn is something outside our control, I will be happy with that. Okay, interesting. And are you guys currently doing any surveys? Like, are you finding out the reason why people are leaving? Yeah, we have total clarity of, of why they leave because okay. we have a, cancel, a cancellation flow. So the most, okay. important most important reason is speed and stability. And that's why we are prioritizing that on our product. After that, it is, I am not using the product enough. And this cohort of customers are people who are paying $15. And these are freelancers who want to make a report once. Right. They are not often users. Instead, agencies, for instance, they will use us intensively and aggressively, and these people are less likely to churn. Okay, gotcha.
Cool. Um, and so who would you recommend this tool be used for? Like, like, do you think it is more of the freelancers? Do you prefer the agencies? Who's like your ideal, ideal customer? We are in the segment of SMBs. We serve marketers, especially marketing teams and agencies, particularly in e-commerce. But okay. a better way to describe this is we want to target marketers who don't want to wait time for their development team to, to do something. I am targeting marketers who are very impatient and to want to do things by, the, by their own super fast. I want to target markets to marketers who prioritize speed over everything else. Okay. And speed in terms of getting analytical data? Speed in terms of not waiting two weeks for the development team to coming up with something or to waiting for your okay. analyst. We want to be the fastest way. So as a self-service, anyone in the team can have the reports as, as they need it because most of the enterprise markets, they are targeting tech teams or IT teams. And that means that you will need to wait more than a month for a solution to be deployed. And I don't want to play that game and I don't think the future looks like that. Got it. Okay, cool. Um, and do you guys have an office based in Colombia or uh, are you guys all fully remote? What, what does your work culture look like? It is fully remote. We have an office in the hometown because most of the developers who are, uh, most of the junior developers are in the hometown where we are from but the entire marketing team is remote. We have team in India, in Kenya, in Nigeria, in Mexico, in Colombia, okay. and so on in Eastern Europe as well, and Chile as well. Okay, awesome. How many team members are there total? Total counting contractors and this stuff, uh, we're 24. 24, okay. Yeah. And so I believe you, you guys said, that you said that you guys were at 50K MRR, correct? Exactly. So okay. you might we weren't thinking about the costs, <laughs> of course. Okay, cool. And yeah. and so um, where are you guys looking to get, like, let's say in the next six to 12 months, like what's your, what's your big goal? What's your target for 2023? The minimum target that is always that we will reach is reaching the million in annual recurring revenue. For sure, we're getting into it. The objective is reaching it as soon as we can. That's the most okay. important thing. Uh, also an objective is reaching again our, the growth rate of 15% monthly, at least we don't want to reduce our growth rate. We can expect if we do this correctly, we can reach over to uh, 2 million, $3 million in annual recurring revenue. If we manage to, to hit these goals first. Okay. What do you think is the lever that you need to pull in order to get there as fast as possible? Yeah, we need to ensure to deploy this thing. The current market leaders sell data warehouses like Google BigQuery, Amazon Redshift, these things. Mm -hmm. If we deploy our no-code solution, we will be able to charge way more to our customers. These customers mm. won't pay $40. We, they will pay $400, $4,000 per month. And right. that's how we will grow to, this, to these numbers. And I, I am sure of that because our current customers who pay $40 are, for instance, Samsung. So it is unfair that they are paying this amount. We are we already have large companies who are not paying large tickets. So if we know we upgrade our product, for sure we can upsell these customers and, and get these growth goals. Nice. Okay. So it's mainly just like on the product development side then that's going to get you to where you need to go. Yeah. 
Cool. Do you anticipate that churn would increase once you do make that product jump and then also have a corresponding price increase? Uh, not at all. The more you charge, the less churn you will have. Our threat of charging more is the sales cycle. Maybe our sales cycle today is less than a week. Okay. Uh, I expect that with these new uh, tickets, they will jump into a month or so or two months maximum. Okay. So it's you're saying that there's going to be a longer sales cycle, but less churn? Exactly. Way less churn. The more you charge, the more you go up market, the less churn mm -hmm. there is. Right. And that's just because of the adoption. Like, do you think that, like, what do you think the reason is just that there's more like mass adoption with a, with a higher ticket, like people use it and don't question it as much or look for alternatives because there aren't any. I, I will say that churn is lower in higher tickets first, because some of most of these contracts are annual contracts. These companies tend to go not on monthly subscriptions, but into annual subscriptions. That's something right. that helps. Also, these companies are more stable. So they have more stable yeah. operations or more predictable operations. A small agencies can go bankrupt in two months. Yeah. So I, I think that is more predictable that they will stay. Yeah. And, and also there are more use cases that justify the, the expense as well. And the pain is, is, is stronger than for these SMBs. Yeah. That totally makes sense. So I guess you hope to move a little bit further up more towards the medium sized businesses that are doing around 50 million revenue, something like a little bit higher, higher in the market. Is that correct? No, I, I will say this is still very early revenues, like more than $2 million per year. But okay. what is the change? We will target marketing teams and agencies that already need a developer. And we want to tell them, don't hire that developer use this no-code solution instead. Or okay. if you already have a development team, don't lose the focus of that development team and do it by your own with no code. So I, I think that we are reaching this market that starts to need a developer. Okay. That makes sense. Um, awesome. And uh, in terms of metrics, like what is your guys' profit right now on the 50 KMR? I will tell calculated because the way we operate is if we make this money, we will spend that money. Really, mm -hmm. we, we want to stay in break even always. We that, that's how we are currently operating. Okay, so currently like break even at the moment. Exactly. Okay, and as you guys grow and as you continue that product development, do you hope to become profitable? Yes, but not soon. We want to keep playing the way of being break even, so we don't rely on investors. Right. But to keep spending to try to grow faster. Got it. Okay. So you guys are completely bootstrapped then? No, we have, re we were part of Texters, Texters Builder, uh, this accelerator, okay. and we were given 120K um, okay. from Angels. We have raised 250 in total. We have had a pre seed round of 370K so far. Okay. So uh, total, what is that, like 700K roughly? No, no. In, in total, it total. is 370K. Oh, 370K. Okay. All right, cool. And and uh, which Techstars cohort were you part of? We were Techstars Builder 21. 21. Okay. Awesome. What was what was your experience like with the program? Uh, it was great, but it was great not just because of the money. It was because of the mentors and the contacts that we have mm -hmm. got. And these mentors 
have helped us have a different mindset. If you are listening to this from the US, you don't have these problems. But if you are living in Latin America in third world countries, you have a strong um, imposter syndrome. Mm, really, yeah. you don't you don't have confidence that you can build things. On Texas, we learn. Hey, of course we can do way more. Of course we can raise two million dollars in a in a seed round easily. Of course we can become a unicorn. I don't know, but I think we developed a lot of confidence in what we can do. Got it. Okay, cool. So it pretty much it helped you. That mentorship helped you to get over your imposter syndrome to feel like you had guidance and people that could tell you good feedback and, and give you good advice to help you get on the right track. Yeah. And also change the perspective of building a business that is profitable and that makes me money. I, I really yeah. think I want to build something that changes the game and that motivates me. Actually, the people right. who were with me, employees know that I play this game with passion and clients feel it and, and the team, I hope they feel it as well. Awesome. That's fantastic. So, um, in terms of the the no code rollout, like when do you expect that to be to be done? Like, do you expect it next year? Yeah, I expect that we will open twenty twenty three with that rollout. Okay, awesome. So it's it's pretty soon then. It's probably like in, in the next few weeks we should expect to to see that. No, I will expect in the end of January. End of January. Okay, so yeah, yeah within like maybe two, like one to two months, kind of thing. Exactly. Okay. Awesome. Um, so I will, I will give you your final plug. Uh, any, is there anything else that you want to say to the people that are listening before we, before we jump off? Yeah. If you are a SaaS founder, uh, something that has worked for me is I think many companies that raise money, they want to become very in, inefficient in acquisition with paid ads. Mm -hmm. The way we're operating is becoming very inefficient in support. So we take a lot of calls. We manually help customers. We spend with customers an hour if necessary. And I don't think it is lost, lost time or wasted time. Actually, right. today as a, a founder, I don't care if I need to spend one hour with a customer, I will do it. And the reasons of doing this is you will retain that customer, even though your product is not great uh, or is failing. Right. And second, you will learn so much that you will develop a perfect market intuition. I don't have any problems having user interviews because every day we ha I have more than 20. So I, I think that we have very good marketing intuition across the team. Awesome. So, so that more goes on the side of just a like customer retention, how you guys are doing so well in that space. It's just about just the attention to detail, just making sure that the little things are, are dialed in. Like if you need to spend time with your customers, then do it. They're going to love you. They're probably going to be a lifetime customer. Yes. I, I think of this. A market leader won't spend time with a $30 ticket. They won't. Right. So the easiest way to become different is not with technology, is with better customer support. And that's something I can take for granted. There is no single competitor who is willing to spend with you one hour, not just help you with your reports, but actually helping you read the data and give you recommendations on how you can analyze it and how you can present it to the customers or to your clients. So I, I think that that's an easy thing to be different. I don't need to wait months for the rollout. And that's a, an easy value proposition that we can use to compare against market leaders. Awesome. So if you're looking for a way to stand out from your competitors, then it doesn't need to be through product development. It can simply just be through paying more attention 
to your customers, give them better yeah. support. Yeah, because a large customer, a large competitor won't do it. They don't have time for that because they need to help their enterprise customers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're, they're helping the people that are paying them the most, right? They're spending more attention and focus on making exactly. the experience best, better for them, for their bigger, their biggest accounts. You're right. Awesome. Um, okay, well, that's about it in terms of the talk today. Uh, that's all I have. So thank you again so much, Juan, for, for joining me today. I think that there was a lot of valuable nuggets in here that people will find helpful. So thanks for coming on, sharing a little bit about your journey. And uh, perhaps we'll check back in with you maybe in six to 12 months. Like we'll see where things are at, how the, the no code launch went and just check in with you again, like see where you guys are at. So uh, thanks again for coming on and we'll talk to you soon. Perfect. Thank you very much for the invitation. No problem. Bye, Juan. Thanks so much for taking the time to tune in. Please make sure to follow our podcast to ensure that you don't miss out on another episode. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you in the next one.